purpose of worship. Today we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture, one that uh, uh, many of you will have already known whenever you turn to Mark chapter number 4. But my prayer today is, is that as we look at this passage of Scripture, that we grasp it in a new way, that, that we take it in a new light. Um, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun, but there are many applications throughout the Word of God and throughout the, the passage of Scripture that we look at that we can once again be refreshed and renewed. And, I, and my goal is this, is that as we take this journey of, of this idea of living in humility, but also living in gratitude, that we realize uh, who Jesus is, and not only who he is, but how he has affected our lives personally. Today we're going to talk about something that we all deal with, and that's the storms of life. And, and many times we get into storms in our life, and the struggles in our life, and, and, and we look at them and we say... You know, why is God allowing this in my life? And then we ask the most important question and the most potent question that I get more than anything is where is God in the midst of my storm? Where is God in the midst of my storm? And today I believe with all my heart that we're going to be able to answer that question for you so that you can know exactly where God is in the midst of it all. All throughout the earthly ministry of Christ, he was busy going about his father's business. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 49, he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? When Jesus Christ was born into this world, he was born for two purposes. The first purpose was to do his father's business. And the second purpose was to accomplish his father's business, which was going to the cross and dying and buried and rose again on the third day as we celebrated last week. And so when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came with meaning and with purpose. And by the way, when God created me, he created me with meaning and purpose. Are you with me? He created me with meaning and purpose. Now, I wasn't born just so that there would be another number on the census. I was born with meaning and purpose. And my purpose and meaning is to do that which God has called me to do. It's the same purpose as Jesus had, which was to be about my father's business and to do what he has called me to do. The Lord was on a divine timetable. Thus, every step was a step of purpose. And every deed was a deed meant to glorify God the Father. Our passage today takes us to the Lord's Galilean ministry. This period in Christ's ministry was full of his miracles and full of his preaching. If you have your Bibles, if you'll stand with me, Mark chapter number 4. A very familiar passage of scripture. Mark chapter number 4. We're going to start reading in verse number 35 down to the end of the chapter. Mark chapter uh, 4, starting in verse number 35. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. That's Jesus speaking. And when they had sent away the multitudes, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And the Bible says in verse 37, there grows a great what? Storm of wind. And waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Do you know what they said? They said the same thing we do. Lord, where are you? Do you not know where I'm at? Now remember, he was on the ship. He was, physically speaking, 
in the same amount of danger that they were in. Are you with me? Master, they said, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said unto them, I want you to notice, this is very interesting to me. In this passage of scripture, Jesus only speaks three times. He spoke in verse 35, let us pass over unto the other side. And then he said, peace, be still. And then he said this, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together to impart uh, the word of God. And Lord, I pray that today, that starting right here in this pulpit, And throughout this whole sanctuary, that Lord, that you will allow us to understand that we have no reason to fear in the storm. But that if we will just trust you, that you will allow peace to reign in our lives. Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. I think you may be seated. So as we look at our passage of scripture after a busy day, just to kind of give some context of ministry in Galilee, the Lord said unto the disciples, let us pass over to the other side. Now I want you to notice something before we get started here today, that Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. He did not say, let us get on the boat and see if we can get to the other side. My Bible doesn't say that, right? He didn't say, if everything works out, guys, we'll get to the other side. No, he said, let us pass over to the other side. In other words, no matter what happens, guys, listen, no matter what happens, we're going to get from one destination to the other destination, no matter what may happen in between. Can I ask you a question? Did Jesus know the storm that was about to happen? He did, because he's omniscient. He knows it all. And so Jesus knew that there would be troubles. But he didn't say, this is another thing he didn't say. He didn't say, hey, fellas, we're going to get in the boat. By the way, it's going to be a real bad storm. It's going to be so bad that you're going to fear for your own life. But don't worry about it. We're going to get to the other side. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus were to tell me that my storm was coming, I might not ever get in the boat. Right? Are you with me? If you can look ahead and you can say, oh, that's not going to turn out too well, so I'm not ever going to even pursue it. But the truth is, is what God wants for us is he wants for us to have the faith to be able to get in the boat without seeing the other side, but knowing that we are going to be able to pass over to it. You see, this would take him to the country 
of the Gardeans, a place where Christ would continue doing his father's business. So Jesus had a mission, and he had to finish his mission, which was going uh, to the other place. So Christ and his disciples got on a ship to cross the Sea of Galilee on their voyage to the country of the Gardeans. The Sea of Galilee was a place that the Lord and his disciples had been to many times. This was not an unfamiliar trek that they were about to take. No doubt, and this is where I really want you to get it, no doubt the disciples, some of who had been commercial fishermen, were experts at crossing this sea. However, on this particular journey across, the disciples were about to learn just how much they needed God. They were going to set out on a familiar journey. And in the back of their mind, probably as they loaded up in that ship, they thought to themselves, this is going to be an easy trip. It's going to be no problem. We've done this a million times. We're going to get on this boat. We're going to go across and we're all going to get off. And and we're probably not even going to think twice about it. But what they did not know is on this particular day that they were going to find out how much they needed the Lord. Boy, it reminds me of our Christian life. We set out on this journey of Christianity and we say, boy, I need God and I need God and I need God. But the more, or excuse me, the longer that we are Christians, the longer that we go on this journey of Christianity, we begin to think, you know what? I've been down this road before. I've got it. I don't need God anymore on this particular path. I don't need God to to hold my hand on this particular road because I know how to do it. As a matter of fact, I don't even think I need to talk to him about it. And what we find out is when we get in the middle of it, we learn just how much we really need the Lord. They may have thought they could navigate this small lake without any problems, but they were going to see their own need for the power of God when the mighty storm raged upon their simple trip. Sometimes we're tempted to begin our days feeling confident in our abilities to navigate the waters. We know we can get from one side to the other, so we neglect to seek the Lord and His strength. I believe with all my heart that if you're going to talk about having a life of worship, if you're going to talk about living a life of humility and gratitude, if you're going to talk about living a life that is successful in the Christian life, it begins and ends with the Lord. It begins and it ends with the Lord. You say, Pastor, uh, this is so simplistic. Yes, it is simplistic. The problem is, is that we don't take the simplicity and put it into action. We say, yeah, I I need God and, and I'll need him whenever the storm does arise. But while things are calm and peaceful, I don't need him. Listen to me. We learn the most in the storm. Do we agree with that? We learn the most in the storm. However, we get our greatest faith in the calm. It's when we absolutely have nothing tragic happening in our life that we can begin to have an intimate, passionate relationship with God that's not surrounded by our needs. Are you with me? It's not surrounded by our needs. We get from one side to the other, so we neglect to seek the Lord in His strength. Then the unplanned storm comes making us realize that we cannot navigate this storm alone. This is what happened to the disciples through this storm. And yet, even though we forget our need for the Lord, He is always present. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If you're in the habit of taking notes, on the back of the bulletin there's an outline. Number one, the reality of storms. 
the reality of storms. Back in our passage of scripture, verse 35 uh, or excuse me, verse 36. And when they had sent them uh, away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And verse 37, and there arose a great storm. This was a unplanned storm. It happened and they didn't even realize that it was going to happen. Can I tell you that in our Christian life, the reality is that storms are going to happen. Problems are going to come. Situations are going to arise. There is nothing that we can do to eliminate that. And it's our response that determines how we grow or how we digress during our storms. I have talked to many people sitting in my office that have gone through some terrible storms in their life. Some have said, you know what, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to go all the way through it. And some have said, I'm so mad at God that I couldn't even talk to him if I wanted to. You see, we have a choice. We make the choice of how we, uh, how we navigate the waters in the midst of our storms. But I want to tell you this morning, if you signed on to be a Christian to get away from trouble, I'm telling you, you signed on for the wrong reason. Nowhere in my Bible does it say that Christianity is a bed of roses. Nowhere in my Bible does it say that Christianity is going to be full of wonderfulness and everything is going to be great. And I'm telling you, any person, any man or woman that stands in the pulpit and tells you otherwise is wrong. They're wrong. The Bible says very clearly in the book of 1 Peter, Think it not strange the fiery trials which are to try you. For as much as you know that you are partakers in Christ's suffering, there are going to be trials. There are going to be storms. It is a reality. The fact, this is why, if you don't get anything else out of my message, and I know we don't say it this early, but I want you to get this. The fact that Jesus was present on the ship did not guarantee the journey would be smooth. Let it sink in for a moment. The, the fact that Jesus was present on that ship did not guarantee that the journey would be smooth. So as it is in our Christian walk, just because we live for Christ doesn't mean that we won't have trials. I've heard people say, Pastor, I'm doing everything I'm doing everything that I feel like I should be doing. I feel like I'm doing exactly what God has asked me to do. I'm in obedience to him. I'm living in God's will. I'm doing everything that I can. Why does God keep sending trials? Well, the honest truth is, is to make you mature. To build your faith. But can I tell you, just because you're doing everything that God wants you to do, does not guarantee the journey will be smooth. You, like the disciples, have to decide how is, or what is our response going to be when we get into these storms. If you're going through a season of difficulty right now, do not immediately assume that God is somehow punishing you. I've heard people say all the time, God must be mad at me. If God's allowed this to happen in my life, God must be mad at me. Listen, not every trial is punishment. If you remember in the New Testament, the disciples uh, uh, were, were around, uh, excuse me, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the disciples were all around this blind man. And they said to Jesus, who sinned, him or his father or his mother? And Jesus said, none of them sinned. He just happened to be born that way. You see, just because trials come in our life doesn't mean that God's punishing us. It doesn't mean that we're doing something wrong. 
Jesus' disciples were not perfect, but they were in his will and they were obeying him. Yet they experienced one of the worst storms in their life. Letter A, they can be unpredictable. Storms in our lives can be unpredictable. There was no way to be able to navigate, to figure out that that storm was coming. Just as it is in our own life. We do not know when the storms are going to arise. You see, the Sea of Galilee is 732 feet below sea level, and it often is the site of ferocious winds. No doubt the disciples knew this and had experienced some of these winds before. However, on this particular day, they were facing a storm like no other, and they were afraid. This is what I want you to see. The disciples neglected to consider who was on the ship with them. The disciples neglected to consider who was on Bored with them. And when you decide that, that, that things are too hard, when you decide that life is too difficult, it, it, you've got to realize that Jesus is right there with you. He said, I'll never leave thee for, nor forsake thee. Jesus is right there. All you've got to do is reach out to him in the midst of your storm. Jesus was there. Jesus promised that they would pass over to the other side. And he was going to fulfill his promise. I want to remind you of something. No matter what happens in your life, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, the end of this life is a victory. The end of this life is a victory. No matter what problems I face, no matter what storms are raging around me, the end of this world is a victory for the Christian. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible tells me that, that heaven is a wonderful place. And that's what I have to fix on. That's what I have to fix my eyes on. No matter what this world throws at me. No matter the trials and the tribulations that I go through. I know without a shadow of a doubt that my victory lies in Jesus Christ. He is the one. And he's going to fulfill his promise. So, storms are unpredictable to us. But they are never unpredictable to God. Can I tell you something that nothing has ever taken God by surprise? This past year, and I, I'm going to be real personable now. This past year has been very difficult for many people sitting in this church today. We've sat together and we've cried together and we've wept together and we've wondered what is happening. Why, why would God allow this to happen in my life? Pastor, it, it was like it came out of nowhere. It was like that I, I didn't even realize what was happening. And, and there it was, Pastor, it was so unpredictable. And then you'll say to me, does God even know? Can I tell you that nothing catches God by surprise? You know what we have to realize? It goes back to what I've been preaching to you about for several weeks. That God is sovereign. That he knows. And you know what else God is? God is loving. And instead of pushing God away in the midst of our storm, we need to embrace him because he is waiting to embrace us. Nothing has caught God by surprise. Now... Because nothing ever catches God by surprise, that means God always has a solution. Right? God always has a solution. 
So what do we have to do? We have to say, God, I know that you're in control. I know that you're going to take care of this storm. And I'm trusting you through it because I know you have the solution. And you'll get me to the other side. Letter B, not only can they be unpredictable, they can be unmerciful. They can be hard. They can be very difficult. Matter of fact, these disciples are facing such a storm in their life like they've never faced before. Storms are no respecter of persons and they can unmercifully come to us at any time. Storms can literally fill you up. For the disciples, this literally happened as the storm began to fill their ship. I mean, they can fill you up if you're not careful. The rising water in the ship brought great alarm to the disciples. Their boat was being overwhelmed. This is so true, even in our own circumstances. Can I ask you a question this morning? And just be honest with you. How many of you have just felt overwhelmed sometimes in your life? Be honest. Yeah, look, all, all across this room. Let, let me show you something. Did you see that? You're not alone. I mean, almost every hand in this room went up. You have felt overwhelmed. You have felt like the water is coming in and there's no way I can get away from it. And you can't get it out faster than it's coming in. Sometimes it feels like it's unmerciful. But I want to tell you something about God. He promises that he'll never give us more than we can handle. You say, Pastor, God has forgotten my handle. Because it's filling up quick. You know, it's interesting to me. I, when I was in high school, I played baseball. I know it doesn't look like it now, but I used to have to work out. I don't understand why that's funny. Uh, but I used to have to work out. And uh, the first time that it ever happened, my coach came to me, Coach Davis. He was a brutal, just brutal. And he came to me and he said, Lee, we're going to the weight room. I said, is that like where we eat? What are you doing in the weight room? Gain weight? He said, no, we're going we're to lift weights. And I said, okay. So he gets into this room. Now, I'd never been in a weight room before. I didn't know anything about this stuff. First thing he does is he puts me on this thing called a treadmill. He said, now it's going to start moving. If you don't move with it, you're going to end up on your face. I said, okay. So we started running on the treadmill. I, I, we did that for a little while. And then he got me off of that. And he put me on a couple machines. And then he said, lay down on this bench. And I said, okay. So I lay down on this bench. And he took this barbell. And he began to add weights to it. And he said, what we're going to do is you're going to push it down and you're going to push it back up. You're going to put it down and you're going to push it back up. And I kept thinking in my mind, no problem. I got it. I lifted that thing up. I did one. I did two. And I kept wondering why he was standing there and another coach came and stood on the other side. I got about to number four and it was resting heavily on my chest. It wasn't going anywhere. And I remember Coach Davis standing next to me saying, just one more. Push it one more time. And I said, Coach, but it hurts. He says, push it one more time, son. Just push it one more time. And then you hear your friends around you, and now you really get serious. The guys around you are going, he can't do it. It's never going to happen. And then you get that last motivation, and you push that bar to the top. And you put it back down, and your coach looks at you, and he says, good job, son. Wait one minute. We'll do it again. (laughs) And that moment felt overwhelmed. And I'll never forget what he said. I said, coach, it hurts. He goes, this is what we're doing, son. We're stretching the muscles so when they heal, they get stronger. He said, and we're going to keep stretching them. We're going to keep stretching them. 
We're going to keep stretching. Now, I'll never forget my 11th grade year. I was standing out on the baseball field. And I was throwing to this guy across from me. And we had been working out for some time. And my coach kept saying the words to me, back up, back up, back up, back up. And I remember there came a time when I took a step backward and I hit our center field wall. And the guy was standing at second base. My coach looked at me and he said, don't you dare put a bit of lob on it. Fire it at him. And I threw it to him and it hit him right in the chest. And I looked at my coach and I said, now I get it. You see what happened? Through training came perfection. But there was a lot of hard work involved with it. When God begins to dump it on us and we feel like, I'm stretching, I'm stretching, I'm stretching. And and then God says, one more, just one more. We're like, God, I can't do it. Just one more, just one more. And then we overcome. You know what God is saying? God is saying, listen, you are now understanding the trial of your faith and what it means to become more precious than gold and what it means to be a Christian. You see, if you give up and you walk away, You'll never have success in your Christian life. The storms are going to rage at times in our lives. We have to give it to Him. There are many ways to attempt to handle problems, but the only way that will truly bring comfort is to trust in the Lord. James chapter 1 says, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or, 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 or not necessarily being tempted, but trials in your life. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and tired, wanting nothing. Number two, and I'm going to be quick, the request of the fearful. The request of the fearful. Look with me in verse number 38. The request of the fearful. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? There's one thing that I want you to note that's not a part of this sermon, but I think it's important for us to understand. I never understood why the phrase was in there, but now I do more than anything. Look at, look at me, verse 38. It says, and when he was in the hinder part of the ship, he was asleep. But then there's a prepositional phrase. The prepositional phrase says that he was on a pillow. Why did God find it necessary to tell us that Jesus was sleeping on a pillow? This goes back to the deity of Christ. That God was just as much God as he was man. He was just as much God as he was man. He slept on a pillow. It's very interesting to me. That Jesus, just like us, needed the rest. And he needed the rest the same way that we get rest. The request of the fearful. They said, Jesus, do you not know what's going on? Do you not understand what's happening around us? In calm assurance that God the Father was in control, Jesus was asleep in the midst of the storm. What a contrast between Christ and the disciples' response to the storm. Jesus knew that his Father was in control. And the disciples were wondering, why isn't Jesus concerned about us in the midst of the storm? Letter A, they request his attention. They request Jesus' attention. Why is it sometimes we doubt God's care for us when we are going through trials? Any circumstance out of control is in the will of God in our lives. There are no circumstances in our lives that are out of control of God. 
God knows exactly what's going on. In the midst of our difficulty, we should enjoy the sweet fellowship with our Heavenly Father that He wants us to have with Him. The men on the boat with Jesus, they begin to question the love of the very originator of love. They wonder if God loved them. And, and we understand that God is love. They are wondering, does God even care about where we are at? When God is the one who is the originator of love. In the midst of adversity, we often want God to remove our storm. But I want you to know that God is looking to improve his child. We want God to take away the storm, but he wants to strengthen the Christian. God may never take our storm away, but I promise you he'll always hold our hands through it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with what things, such things as you have. For he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that why would he say that? So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my what? Helper. And I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord is my helper and I have no reason to be afraid. Secondly of all, they request his help. They request his help. It is a beautiful thing to God to see his children humble enough to ask him for help that only he can give. Even the disciples lacked in faith. However, God still acknowledged their need for help. Can I tell you that God wants you to ask for help? Are you with me? You say, Pastor, can you prove that? Well, I can in some senses. I have three boys. My oldest son can now do just about anything that needs to be done. He can go to the refrigerator and get himself a drink. He can go and make himself a grilled cheese. He can go and do all those things that need to be done self-sufficient. My middle son, Samuel, he thinks he can. The other day I caught him climbing in the refrigerator. You know, stepping on the first step. What are you doing, son? I'm getting some milk, Dad. Do you need some help? Nope. The next time I do, I turn, he's sit, sitting on the counter trying to get up and get a glass to get down, wanting to be self-sufficient. My youngest son is still in that stage of, Dad, I need something to drink. Dad, I need something to eat. But do you know something that unless, unless they ask, I don't know what they need? Right? Unless they request it, I have no idea what they need. Now, my 13-year-old, it switched. Dad, I need 20 bucks. <laughs> right? You know? And, and I know he, don't, he just can't produce $20, so he still has needs. I call my dad and ask for the same thing all the time. We don't have that. Can I tell you what God wants? God wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. He does. There are some needs that we, our children don't have to ask for. They're just supplied. But there are other things, especially in the line of Christianity, when it comes to God, we just have to ask. Lord, I need your help. I need your help. The Bible says in James chapter 1, if any of you lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God. They give it to all men liberally and abrade is not. And it shall be given him. 
But let him ask in faith, not, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven and the wind tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We serve a faithful God who loves and hears us even when the storms are raging and our ships are filled up with trouble. Number three, and I'm done. The response of our Savior. How did Jesus respond? And I love this, this portion of Scripture because I think it really tells us where we are as Christians as well. Look with me in verse number 39. And he arose. I, I love this. In verse 38. Master, carest not thou not that we perish? Jesus didn't just stay asleep. The Bible says, and he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I want you to notice something. Jesus answered the prayer. Now hold on. Because I really want you to see this. Do you believe that Jesus can perform miracles? Do you believe that Jesus performed miracles in the word of God? Can I ask you a question? Do you believe that Jesus could have rose up and said, take the boat to the other side? And it would have lifted up and ended up on dry ground. Could that have happened? Did God do that? He arose and he spoke to the wind and he spoke to the sea. But he never took them out of the possibility of trouble. Do you see that? Even when Jesus stood and rebuked the wind and said, peace be still, they were still in the boat. Jesus could have went back to sleep and the possibility of the storm would have arisen again. You see, what Jesus did is he spoke to the problem. It's very important that we understand that Jesus is never, God is never going to remove us out of the possibility of storms. He will just remove individual storms. And even if he doesn't remove the storm, he will be with us all the way through it. What's the response? As we consider Jesus' presence, consider the power that he displayed during the storm. First of all, he rebuked the wind. I, I really wanted to get into this a little bit more in my own personal study. And so I wanted to find out what it really meant that he rebuked the winds and, and he caused the wind to cease. And, and these are the things that I've kind of learned. The word rebuke means to charge sharply. He spoke with authority to the winds and they obeyed him. Now, it's very interesting when you think about this. When people try to deny the creation that God is the creator of the world, then you've got to deny this, this account in the Bible. Because whomever or whatever God creates has to obey him. Right? This is perfect reasoning of the creation. Here were the winds, and the Bible says that God spoke sharply to them. He spoke with authority, and they obeyed. It's kind of like, you know, when you tell your children to do something, and you tell them to do it in a soft voice, sometimes they don't respond. You make that voice go a little bit higher and use their middle name, and everything changes. Right? It's the same way it is. When God spoke to the wind, it was with authority. I can only imagine, I'd have loved to have been on that boat. 
I, I could just imagine the disciples, the look in their eyes, the look of awe as Jesus stood and he said, and he rebuked the winds. And they're thinking to themselves, well, we could have said that, but nothing would have changed. You're right, because you didn't have the authority. See, he spoke with authority and they obeyed him. As you face storms in your life, understand that there is a real enemy who is attempting to keep you from glorifying God with your life. And he is going to allow and he's going to uh, cause storms to come in your life. Whatever kind of wind you may be facing today, there is power in the word of God to defeat that wind. Not only did he speak to the wind, he spoke to the sea. I, I-, I love this. And the fact that Jesus spoke to the sea and said, peace, be still. I've often wondered why Jesus used this statement. Why didn't God just say, peace? Or why didn't God just say, be still? Really, why did God even speak? Look what it says. The word translated peace means silence, a hush, uh, muteness, involuntary stillness, or the inability to speak. If you've ever been on a beach somewhere, when I said that, your mind went to the sound of it. The waves crashing as they're coming in. Many people love to sit and watch that as they, as they read or drink their coffee or do other things. They, love, they, they find peace and gentleness in the sound of it. Can I tell you that those same waves that you are experiencing peace with on land are troublesome if you're inside of them when you're in a boat somewhere. And what Jesus did was literally made it completely silent. Just like this. Why did he say be still? Because there's another passage of scripture where Jesus said this. Be still and know that I am God. You see, we can have peace in our lives if we'll just be still. Jesus said, peace, be still. The translation for be still means to close the mouth with a muzzle. Literally, Jesus is causing the waves to stop. He muzzled them and put them into muteness so that they could not disturb the great calmness that now existed. It's truly comforting to know that our Lord has the power to muzzle any storm wind we may face. When you're going through storms, rather than cowering in fear, trust in your all-powerful Savior. And what time I am afraid, I will, what's the next word? Trust in thee. Another C and I'm done. He challenged the disciples. Look at verse 40. He challenged the disciples. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? Every one of us has been there where fear overpowers our faith. But Jesus reminded the disciples that they did not have to be bound by 
fear. Because the Lord is in the boat with you. You have no reason to fear the storms. Take comfort in the many promises he gives in Scripture to be there for us. Let me give you this last passage of Scripture. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 46, God is our refuge and strength. A very present what? Help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. That word Selah means stop and think about it. There is no reason to fear the storm. Today, you may have walked into North Point Baptist Church and you felt overwhelmed. You felt like the storm is just raging around you. Can I tell you this morning, it very well may be. And you may be wondering, where is God in the midst of all of this? God is right in the middle of it. He's right in the middle of it. I heard someone once say, you're either in a storm, you've just come out of the storm... Or you're headed into a storm. Right? And can I tell you that? That may be true in our lives. But no matter what storm may come, God is there. Let me close with this. When I was a little boy, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. And if you've never been in a storm in Jacksonville, Florida, you've never been in a storm. Because of how the weather conditions with cold and hot meet there in, in Florida, the, the thunder and the lightning is unbelievable. And I grew up in a double-wide mobile home. And so we'd be sitting at home, and now it would be bedtime, and we'd hear the clouds and the thunder start to rumble. And I'd get in my bed, and I'd just think to myself, it won't be long, and I'll be in mom and dad's room. We lived out on 10 acres. We lived two and a half acres off of the road. There were no street lights where I grew up. And, uh, uh, and so here we are, and the winds would start to, to rage. And all of a sudden, that thunder would begin to roll. And it was almost as if my heart would go into my stomach every time I would hear it. And then the lightning would pop. And inside of me, I had great fear. There was one night in particular I remember as if it was yesterday. I was laying in bed. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I was about 8 or 9 years old. And all of a sudden I was awoken in the middle of the night to this terrible rumble. It almost felt as if somebody was on the outside of our home just shaking it. As if we are having an earthquake. And then the lightning popped and everything went black. I don't know about you, but I sleep with my bathroom light on. And everything went black. My brother was sleeping across the hall. My sisters were sleeping across this way. And I'm laying in my bed. And it hits again. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I started crying. I was afraid. My cry started small. And it began to get louder and louder. My sister woke up. And she said, Lee, what's wrong? And I said, I'm just scared and I can't see anything. And I don't know what's going on. This is a bad storm. This is really bad. I don't know what we're going to do. And she said, calm down. It's okay. I said, you don't know anything about okay. You're just my sister. 
She said, what do you want? I said, I want dad. We were all the way down the hallway from where my mom and dad slept, all the way through the kitchen, the living room. They were on the other side. This is what my sister said. She said, this is what we're going to do. She said, we're going to get on our hands and knees. She said, we can't see anything, and if we walk, we're liable to trip over something. She said, but if we're on our hands and knees, we can kind of feel our way through until we get to mom and dad's room. I remember I got on my hands and knees with her, and she held my hand very carefully as we started crawling down the hallway. We got to the kitchen. She said, we're almost there. I said, okay. Boom, another thunder and lightning hit. And I immediately grabbed her. I said, I'm afraid. She said, it's okay, we're almost there. We crawled a little further and we got into the living room. There was the front door. I said, I said, is it, is everything, there's the front door. If somebody comes in that door, I'm really afraid, Tammy. I'm really, she said, calm down. We're almost there. We crawled into my mom and dad's room. And she said, okay, we can stand up now. There's the bed. Just grab onto the bed. When I grabbed onto the bed, I grabbed one foot of my dad and one foot of my mom. <laughs> Have you ever been woken up like that? <laughs> Sat up straight. It's pitch black. And I just start bawling. And I'll never forget what my dad said. My dad said, come here. Crawl up here. And I crawled right next to him. He put his big arms around me. This is what he said. As long as you're by me, you're going to be okay. Can I tell you that when I woke up the next morning, it was still storming outside. Because I was able to sleep in my father's arms, everything was okay. Listen, church, we may not be able to walk to God through all of our problems and trials. We may just have to get on our hands and knees and start crawling. And say, God, I'm, I'm coming. And just remind ourselves that he's right there all along the way. And all he wants you to do is get up into his arms and allow him to wrap his arms around you because he'll say, listen, child, as long as you're in my arms, everything is going to be okay. I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better place to be than the arms of my Savior. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?